we have these crossroads. And you know, either way you choose, your life is going to be different. The universe doesn't exist, but God thinks it does. We have to stop consuming our culture. We have to create culture. Stupidity has a definite evolutionary function. I am all for abolishing stupidity, but before it goes, we should pay tribute to it. Howdy, folks. Welcome to the Nonsense Bazaar. I'm Sheriff Willow Truman. And I'm Sequoia Kennedy. And Deputy yeah. Kennedy. <laughs> You're a sheriff, too. I'm a sheriff, too. You're Hell a sheriff, yeah. too. Excellent. You're qualified. Can I be a marshal? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. A cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> this is weird. We're talking about fairies. Yeah, it's nothing to do with cowboys. <laughs> we're still in fairyland. Yeah, we're still in fairyland. We're ca- we're continuing our conversation from last week. Yes. We're going to take a look at some like modern stories, right? Yes. Yeah. It's kind of how some stories that seem like they could have come right out of the secret Commonwealth and mm-hmm. just in the modern day. Right. And then we're going to step backwards in time again. Yeah. Yeah. Revisit. Revisit. One of our them. favorite punching bags. Theosophy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Right on. Yeah. yeah. We've been like in private, we've been talking about the Fae quite a bit, quite a lot lately. We have been. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I found a weird spot in the woods. That was pretty cool. Yeah. I tried to sell the dog. They wouldn't take him. No, no. <laughs> like they're, they're the ones that gave him away. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he came from there. No takesies, backsies. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, we both had quite, quite the weeks. Yeah. Respectively. Yeah. So we're just like, this is kind of a, a loose, a yeah. loose episode. Some loose fantasy, just dis- some loose yeah. distractions, with nature spirits and. Right, right, right. Yeah. Like I discovered this one type of fairy called the Goncana, who's okay. a, an Irish love talking fairy. Never heard of it. <clears throat> should we do our tarot poll? Yeah, we should do our tarot poll first. June 30th, recording this episode, just in case civilization collapses in the next two weeks. Distinct yeah. possibility. In case the survivors of the apocalypse hear this podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. Remember us. Remember us well. Future Ken Burns will put us in his movie about the end times. <laughs> the last recorded... Oh, fuck. Are you serious? <laughs> did I did I fuck that up? Did I fuck that up by getting all... I don't know. Oh, no. Huh. Well, we got the Ten of Swords. Okay. <laughs> were, were you thinking about Smegma Goblins or were you thinking about civilization collapsing? A little bit of both. All right, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit of both. Yeah. All right. So, just a light episode with the, with the Ten of Swords. Sick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, so can't make this shit up, folks. Yeah, come, my love, our worlds may part. The gods will guide us across the Yeah, you know, I think it speaks to maybe perhaps my my genetic my, my genetic history 
ancestry, whatever the fuck the word is, mm-hmm. that of all the, uh, it's not the first time you've played something that has 23 million views on yeah. YouTube or something. I don't mind that one. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what it is. There's something about just like having ancestors that were from Ireland. If anything vaguely Irish starts playing, your foot starts going. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, it's just, it's just pretty. Mm-hmm. It's just simply gorgeous. All right, Sequoia. Yes. Beware the tunes that touch your heart. Oh, no. The Goncana no. play the soul. Beware, sweet lass, that's you. Don't crave his art. He'll pierce your heart and leave a hole. He won't pierce your hole, though. Oh, that's good. That's what you want him to do, but he won't do it. Yeah. Yeah, so, so the he's Gon- a musician. The Goncana. The Irish love talking fairy. He'll he doesn't play music. He plays your soul. Oh, you know he's a he's a player. Oh, okay. Beware his tune. It's gotcha. an evil, he's got an evil tune, an evil manipulating tune. Uh, it's been likened to the incubus, you know. Yeah, comes and fucks you at night. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he's a lot sneakier and even more deadly in his womanizing ways. Hmm. And how how is he sneaky? Well, barely anybody knows about the Goncana. So this being has just been getting away with this shit for for a long time this just sounds like the nlp teachers i've been looking up yeah <laughs> yeah we're we're canceling the Goncana right now by the way Goncana oh, is canceled party good god yeah so it's part of the leprechaun and clurichon genus um okay but much taller and lazier and by the way if you don't know what a clurichon is I do not. It's basically an alcoholic leprechaun that hangs out around pubs and plays pranks on people. Like at least leprechauns kind of, they do more work than a, a chloricon. Yeah. And I've, I've met one. Yeah. Regularly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, did I say chlorichon at first? Like it's a fucking Pokemon. I think I did, but leave it in. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Acknowledged. Yeah. Acknowledge my mistake. So while the chloricon is fueled by, you know, playing pranks on people in the pub. The Goncana is led by a constant need for companionship and a desire to have power over the hearts of women. Hmm. He seeks out lonely women that he finds hot. Okay. And stalks them to find out what they like, then transforms into their dream guy. Holy shit. But he has problems with commitment. Uh, He's a deadbeat, a loner who wanders. He can't get a real job, so he has to siphon off energy from women to survive. And he can't even do any cool pranks. Uh, so, like, at least the Clericons are putting in some good, honest work. I feel like I know a few of these fuckers, too. Yeah, right? I, like, <laughs> I've, I've met a Gonconner, yeah. too. They're, they're kind of, like, laid-back dudes. They, and yeah. they like kicking it with other dudes, too. Yeah. Which sets them apart from the Incubus. Right, because that's like a demon. You know, it comes in the right. dark of night. And the, in the Incubus is just interested in, like fucking and sucking souls yeah Whereas the goncon is like yeah i'll chill he yeah. likes to uh he likes a bit of locker room talk the incubus is more goal oriented right yeah yeah Goncana, he's he, he can spend his time you know on his conquests he likes to you know stand around tell raunchy jokes yeah, talk yeah. about all the all the girls that he's fucked with yep. he's very flirty yeah but unless he thinks a woman is hot he will not make physical contact with them picky yeah yeah um, this is just some fucking asshole <laughs> this is some fucking guy yeah <laughs> uh they're thought that maybe they might have an addictive toxin in their skin or something because once you touch them that's when it's game over you know wait so, yeah wait a fucking second yeah is this just them, some nerds explanation for why all women like assholes 
He's like he's the, the, a nice guy. Yeah, he's a, 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 a trade a nice guy trademark. You right. know, capital N G. Just trying to find some intellectual reason why. How could she go out with him? He's such a yeah, right miscreant. <laughs> <laughs> so, so like I said, the Gonkana once he sets his sights on a certain hottie, yeah. he's going to do some PI work to figure out how to appear most attractive to her because he's a shapeshifter, right? He can change his appearance to look at most handsome to whoever he's appearing to. He's a pickup artist. He's doing PU work. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, he is. Like, I wonder what he would look like for me. Probably like Nathan Fielder from Nathan For You. Oh, God. You know, just a, just a real little Weasley man. That's what I like. Oh, God. Like a little That's weasel. terrible. Yeah. He's... That that's that dude's <laughs> extremely off-putting. Yes, that's fucked up. Uh, so traditionally, um, the target of the Gonkana is women in rural areas. You know, like milkmaids. Yeah. 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 And what he would do is he would take their chastity and then cast shame on their family and ruin their reputations and blah blah blah. You know. <laughs> yeah. And a, a little bit of the old Humpty Dumpty, Humper and Dumper. And then leave her ashamed and soiled for the rest of the men in the village. So far, literally nothing supernatural. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, the Gonkana moves on with the times, you know? So, like, he used to always be seen with an unlit pipe all the time. Because like, he'd have it, but, yeah, yeah, but he would not smoke it. Okay. So now, when you see a Gonkana these days, he's probably holding a jewel. <laughs> but he's not ripping it. He's just holding it. What a fucking loser. Because fairies hate the smell of smoke or something. There is a, a thing in the industrial era where a bunch of new myths about um, fairies being angry about like the smoke in the sky came about. Yeah. And this whole thing about like fairies really not liking smoke came fr from that, I think. Because then there's other stuff. Interesting. Things where they're smoking and it's fine. So I don't know. I mean, there's it's one of those things you can put. He can spin it however you it. want. There's a million yeah. different iterations of of stories about the same supposed same creature. Well, the Gonkana. Yeah. He knows just how to lie and charm his way into your heart. Okay. He even smells perfect for you. Like a roast beef sandwich <laughs> or an antique store. Okay. Yeah, whatever don't... whatever it is you enjoy smelling the most. Oh God. What what do you enjoy smelling the most? <sighs> I like coconut. The stale leftover smoke from camel lights. Mm, yeah. You know, it, like that's soaked into a room for decades. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. I know that's fucked up, but. <laughs> you know, but, it, but it just is. It's comforting. Yeah. My parents didn't even smoke. I don't know why. It's just it's, just yeah. is. Yeah. Well, the Gonkana, he'll, he'll smell how you want. He'll also listen to the same music as you and love the same movies, especially the deep cuts. Mm. You know, like he'll have heard about. Those real deep cuts, which is suspicious. It's too good to be true. And you should be suspicious if this happens. You should be suspicious if, if you find someone with the same similar weirdo music taste as, as you. And they smell like roast beef. <laughs> well, then be re run or, away. Or stale cigarettes, I yeah. suppose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, I feel like if someone likes all of the same things that you like. Oh, no, that's a huge That means that they're lying like, about liking yeah. one of those things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? There's no two people that are totally into right. the same shit as much. Yeah. Yeah. So victims of the Gonkana, what happens to them at, right after the, the moment of touch, the toxic touch? Yeah. Well, they fall into a lovesick frenzy. They can't think of anything 
but the Gankana. It's like a drug addiction takes over them. Yeah. And they even, they isolate themselves from their family and friends. They stop eating and drinking water. All, all they do is just sit and wait for him to return. And he never does. Jesus. Yeah. Wait, so he, oh, he's really gone that quick? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And then the women just like spiral into madness until death becomes a welcome but early release. Well, okay, well, that part's supernatural. Yeah. That's fucking shit. Yeah. And his mesmerizing powers only work for the specific target, too. So, like, to everybody else, he just looks like an ordinary guy. <laughs> so, like, their daughter will be wasting away, and the family's like, really? This, this guy? <laughs> it really is this. It's just this. This fucking guy? Seriously. Wow. <laughs> this has been a part of humanity forever. Forever. Forever and ever. Wow. <sighs> okay. Hashtag not all Gonkanas. Um, <laughs> I don't know. well there's a couple ways to find out if your man is a gonkana sure uh take him outside okay birds won't sing when he's around Mm. so if there's birds outside and they're chirping and a squirping and you go out and they shut up he's supernatural okay also he doesn't cast a shadow that was a bit more obvious yeah 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 could also be a vampire too but i don't know if the bird clause is in there yeah well, there's one way to protect yourself from this seductive creature, according to one source that I found. Okay. Um, an amulet made from twigs of a rowan and mistletoe, pinned together with an iron nail and bound with a blood-soaked thread. That would terrify just about anybody. Yeah. Stay away. Yeah. I, the iron thing is, uh, th- you see that a lot in um, mm-hmm. ways to protect yourself from fey folk. Yeah, they don't like iron. Interesting. I think that's very magnetic. Yeah. I feel like that might also be a relic of like the industrial era and the idea of buildings and metalwork and factory encroaching on. Yeah. Taking over nature. Well, I found one guy on YouTube who believes that he ran into a member of the Fae that to me sounds an awful lot like a Gonkana. He does not characterize it as such, but we're going to go through his story and you and I can determine if it is one. Sure. This dude in the video, this guy used to work at a club called Cruise Mm -hmm. in the gay district of Manchester. Mm, England? Yes. Uh Okay. Cruise. Perfect. This club closes early on Sundays which means that they close at 4 a.m. instead of 6 a.m. So, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. got out of work early. <laughs> so it's a Sunday and and this gentleman, he I don't I don't know his name. He calls himself Shadow Boy. <laughs> Shadow Boy. Yeah. But he uses the tips that he gets from the club usually to get a taxi to go home. But that yeah, night yeah. he did not make enough tips. The tips were horrendous. So what happens next? Um, but then I suddenly realized that I had 20 pounds in my bank account. So I knew I had to go to the cash machine to get some cash out, right? So anyway, I walked out of the gay village um, towards a crossroads. And I was standing there at the cash machine. And this man walked towards me. And he was beautiful absolutely stunning the weirdest thing is i can't actually remember what his face looked like i just remember his eyes and his hair he had jet black hair and the most beautiful crystal clear blue eyes i have ever seen in my life this man was stunning and he walked up to me 
and he was Irish and he said, excuse me. And I was like, yeah. He was like, do you know where I can get a girl around here? I really want a girl. And I was like, hmm, like laughing to myself because I was like, well, I'm gay. How am I going to be able to tell you where to get a girl from? And I said, nah, I'm really sorry, mate. I, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> Uh, maybe if you head towards that direction, and I sent him, I sent him away where, like, basically away from the gay village because he was looking. For so this stunningly beautiful Irish guy yeah. is lost in the gay village, looking for a girl. Apparently, you can just get girls in Manchester. Is that true? Let us know. <laughs> I just need to grab one. Yeah, I just, uh, yeah. Hey, you know what? Get a girl around. Um, but isn't that interesting? He's like this guy is so beautiful, but can't remember what his face looks like. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So after that first interaction, Shadow Boy obviously doesn't think much of this interaction. Sure, you know, it's like okay, whatever. Uh, he watches the incredibly handsome man walk the other way down Princess Street, which is the way into Princess the gay village, which I won't make any jokes about. <laughs> but wait, oops, the cash machine that he's gone to to get out his 20 so that he can get a taxi home is out of service. OK, shit. Fuck. Fuck. So now he has to turn around and go back towards the gay village to find another cash machine. He knows where it is. He's heading there. And yes, I'm going to keep saying gay village. It's fun. And I want to live in one. That's where I belong. Yeah. 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 Yeah, you do. So anyway, he's in the gay village. Okay. So anyway, I was in the gay village (laughs) and I was just hungry. I was tired. I wanted to go home and I passed this club that was open and who is standing on the crossroads but my little Irish friend. And now at the time, I was just like, whoa, that's weird. Because the guy had defeated physics. It freaks me out. And, and he actually did as well. There is no other way. It's not physically possible to get to where he got in such a little amount of time. Unless he got to the road, hopped on a motorbike, and, and parked it up and, and ran to where I was going. It was just weird. And when excuse me and I was like yeah as if he'd never seen me before he went do you know where I can get a girl around here and I was like look I really don't know but and I was I was freaked I went I really don't know but you're in the gay village and he just sort of went oh like that and went oh and I was like yeah I was like you should go that way back the way I sent you it's, okay, so I, I was confused at first because I thought that, like, they had both walked in the same direction. I was like... No, so he... When he's at the cash machine, the first cash machine... Yeah. He watches the guy walk the other way down the street. Right, right, right. A, like, away from where he came from. Yeah. You know? Right, and then he... Yeah, I guess... They would have crossed paths. Unless he you was know? just it's, like... It's like four in the morning. You can't imagine right. that it's that crowded. Unless he was just, like, swearing at the ATM... And didn't notice the guy turn the other, like, come back behind him. Right. But they would have been walking basically at the same time yeah, true. in the same direction. Okay. You know? And repeating the same thing. That's that's weird. Yeah. Meth does exist. It does. This is Manchester, England in the gay village. Mm-hmm. He was working, though. I don't think this man was on meth. Okay. One, that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't. I meant the fairy fairy man. Yeah. Oh. Like you could have just like ran around the block (laughs) as soon as you got out of sight, just fucking. Yeah, I did. I looked on a map to like see what I could glean. Yeah, yeah. And um, 
it's hard to know without knowing where this exact ATM is, but I did look in like the gay village, yeah, yeah. Um, like where all the, the clubs were and everything. I, I cut out the part of the video where he describes how in order to get back to the village, unless unless this man turned around and changed his direction and walked back there, yeah, yeah. which he didn't do because he would have been seen doing that. Seen or presumably, heard. Or, yeah. yeah, yeah. If he didn't do that, then he would have had to walk all the way around, like Weird. basically in a big circle, and it would take some time. Right. So logistically, he explained that it did not make sense for this. It's rather man to improbable. To, yeah. Yeah. Right. OK. So dude keeps going in the direction of the other cash machine. He's pretty freaked out about what just took place, but he wants to get home. Right. He's also noted that he's seen this guy at two crossroads at this point. That's where he showed up. He showed up at the first crossroads with the ATM and now at this other crossroads. Right, right, right. He's walking by. So finally, he gets to the second ATM. And what happens? I was stood there at this cash machine. Once again, it said, out of order. And I was like, what is going on? There is something not right tonight. There was something in the air. It didn't feel right. And all of a sudden, I heard, excuse me, like that. And I had literally, even speaking about it now, I'm going over all cold because it was terrifying. And I turned around and I said to him, no, like that. And we just stopped and we were staring at each other. And he went, do you know where I can get a girl around here? Could you please tell me where I can get a girl? I want a girl. And I was freaked. I was so petrified. I just thought, this is weird. And I looked at him and I just thought, you're not human. And it went through my head and I just thought, Christ, you're actually not human. And he looked at me and dead in the eye. And he went, isn't it a weird city? Isn't this town a weird town? And I was like, look, I don't know who you are, but you p- please leave me alone because you're frightening me. I was speaking to him as if he was a spirit because I, I he, the guy defeated physics like three times. Um, it was so strange. It was so bizarre. And he was, he didn't look human. Um, he was beautiful, but too beautiful to be human, even though I can't remember what he looked like. This is where it gets really creepy. Yeah. That's yeah. incredibly creepy. It's very creepy. Fuck and, that. you know, if it is a Goncana, of course he's, he's looking for a girl. Or maybe he's like, well, shit, I can't find a girl, so I'm just going to get some, like, feast off of this guy's fear. Because that's what I think the Goncana is. It's kind of like a psychic vampire type. Yeah, yeah. You know, it feasts off of people's... Um, it doesn't want love from them. It, it wants them to, like, hurt for him. It wants the, the yearning. Yeah. That thought looking at him and thinking you're not human that's going to occur in the second story too interesting yeah i just went look go like that so he set off the other way um and the complete opposite way from me and so i came to the decision right fuck this i'm going to walk home as freaked out as i was i was like i'm walking home so anyway I thought on the way, I'll pass McDonald's. I'll just get some food with my card because I'm just, I'm too fucking hungry. And yeah. And uh, we, well, I got to McDonald's. Bear in mind, the guy had walked the other way. And as I looked through, he was in there and he looked me dead in the eye. I went, ah, there you are. Like that running towards me. I shot. 
I completely, I, I pegged it. I've never ran so fast. I was crying. I was literally crying because the fact this guy had defeated physics. It completely just, it was weird. There was something in the air. He was not human. He was not human at all. Um, this is going to sound crazy. I don't care. This is what happened. So I was running. I was running and running and running down this road. And I just went, boom, like that. And I fell back on the floor. And I just thought, oh, don't, don't, please tell me I haven't bumped into somebody. And I just heard a voice saying, excuse me. And as I got up, it was a different person. And he went, do you know where I could find something to eat around here i'm starving i just thought oh my god oh my god you you're normal you're human <laughs> like i was terrified and he was just a student and he ended up sort of walking me halfway home because he sort of lived near yeah um, okay this, that's weird this would be a very troubling experience yeah definitely and like fuck. he sounds genuinely stressed out as he's like recalling these things that happened yeah. Yeah. And so he goes on to say that after that, he like never sees the guy again. But a couple of weeks after he's walking home and he passes a crossroads. OK. And standing in the middle of the crossroads is just a man staring at him with his head cocked. Fuck me. So he, he just walks past, doesn't say a word. He's like, fuck that. Nope. Just keeps going. And, and then after Christ. that, nothing. That's uh, weird. Yeah, it's really weird. It reminds me of a couple experiences I've had. Not the same, mm-hmm. but like one, one same time, flavor. One time, um, me and uh, a group of my friends were this. I was like 17 or 18, something like that. Uh, we were walking through the woods like you do. We used to do that a lot. Just fucking walk through the woods. Half the time, it wasn't a trail or anything. We were just right. going through the woods to get somewhere. One of the few things to do around here. Yeah, really. Bushwhacking. You get real good at it. Yeah. But like we had to cross like... I think it was gun club property or something, hunting club or something. And, you know, we're, we're doing a lot of trespassing, you know? Yeah. And uh, we get to this spot in the woods. Like, I'm not going to say it was a clearing because it wasn't. It was just a little more open in, in the woods, but there's no, like, paths going there or anything. And there's just a truck in the woods. Oh, weird. With an old dude sitting in it. Like, how did it get there? We don't know. And we didn't realize that until afterwards. Yeah, that's very right? weird. Because seeing a dude in an old farm truck in the middle of the woods, not that weird around here. Yeah. If there's a path, there wasn't. And this wasn't like a off-roading truck either. This was like a fucking, you know, a 92 fucking Tacoma or something like that. Like a little four-cylinder farm truck. That's you know? weird. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he just like said hello and didn't say anything about us trespassing on anything. Or just like said all right, and we just kept walking, and it was like there was no interaction, even though we were in the middle. We were a group of stoned ass kids in the middle of fucking woods. That's weird. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah, weird. and th- like, there's no roads going back there. No, no, we're deep in the fucking woods. Yeah, no, creepy. Yep. yep. <laughs> creepy. Yeah. I literally just watched a horror movie where um, this group of people in an RV get into an accident and when they wake up in the morning they're in the middle of a clearing in the woods and they're like how the fuck did we get here mm. <laughs> it makes me think about that yeah yeah it was it was strange it, that that took a it took a strange turn yeah it took a dark turn when i listened to that story for the first time you know starting it off i'm like ah eh, you know whatever yeah 
you know, and even like the second time around, I'm like, you know, whatever could just be maybe he like got a scooter or something. Cities sometimes have those stupid scooters. Maybe he scooted over there. Yeah. 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 But this is a while ago, though. Yeah. I was posted in 2012. Yeah. Then you get to like the fourth time and you're like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. That is undeniably weird. Yeah. If it that's had just super stopped weird. after the second time, it's you know. Something might have happened. Yeah. Something we something unexpected where you go, oh no shit. But was he in the McDonald's? I think that was the implication. Yeah, because he said that the guy the last time he saw him, um, instead of so the first time he sees him, he the guy Shadow Boy notices the Goncana or yeah. the, the handsome man first. Yes. He sees him. The second time he's walking by, the Goncana calls out to him from his side. Yeah. The third time, Goncana approaches from behind. Mm. Last time, Goncana runs towards him. So the first time is like he approaches, yeah. you know, like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's, I don't know. It's creepy. It's, all of it's so creepy. It is. <laughs> Uh, I was, I'm trying to, I was thinking of what you were saying, like, if, if there's, if there's any meaning to it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, directionality about it. And I almost wonder, like, if this entity is confined to a certain amount of blocks, like, in the city. Yeah, because, I mean, the other thing is, like, it could have been a ghost. There's nothing to explicitly state fairy. Right. Yeah. Except that it's Irish, maybe, which makes it anyone's you know, girl really badly. English. Well, the dude was Irish, but this dude is English. Yeah. yeah. She wants a girl so badly. So fucking badly. And he's in the wrong place. Like, that's that idea is very funny to me. Just a ghost, like, wandering around the gay district. Well, the other thing like, I was thinking what? is, like, what, like, shows up at Crossroads, like, this whole, like, the devil at the Crossroads. Yeah. So your soul, like, what if he was actually, what if that thing was trying to uh, in- entice what this feller to do something him? bad? I think you know. he was trying to get touched. Like, touched or like it, it entice this dude to like do something bad or something. Like who knows right. how their what their night would have turned out. Right. Like, right. So the second story I heard on this channel called Scary Fairy Godmother. Most of the uh. stories are not scary. It's just like a collection of fae stories. People send her their encounters and yeah, she yeah. counts them. So this source is uncredited, but <clears throat> I will tell it because it, it falls in line with this. So this person, uh, they're a guy, by the way. Okay. So second male encounter. Yeah. They live in the suburbs of northern Toronto in an area where there is still a lot of undeveloped space and wooded area, including this series of ravines connected by trails for walking or biking. So this person, I'm going to name him Tarzan. Okay. Tarzan works at a coffee shop at a strip mall. Toronto Tarzan. Yes. All right. And this strip mall is not very far from the ravines, right? He works with his neighbor who we'll call Jane because that's what he calls her in the story. He doesn't give himself a name. Okay. Be weird if he called himself Tarzan. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm calling him Tarzan. So Tarzan and Jane, they live next door to each other. They've known each other since elementary school. And around 10th grade, Tarzan starts developing a crush on Jane. Ah. And they work together in the coffee shop. Well, you know, uh. Jane's also got this bike, which is her prized possession. It's named Zeus on account of a, a lightning bolt on the side. Oh, cool. You know, Jane's very outdoorsy, you see. So she's a catch. She's into all the all the cool outdoorsy stuff. Yeah, yeah. So they're working the closing shift at the coffee shop when Jane gets this gnarly migraine and her dad has to pick her up early from work. Of course, she rode her bike there. So what's she going to do with it? Well, Tarzan 
feeling oh so bad for his darling Jane. Right, right. Assures her that he will return Zeus to her later. So he closes out all by himself. A group of teenagers comes in, order muffins. They hang out for a long time. And he's like, shit, I was just going to close out. Yeah, yeah. So now he's not done until midnight. Jesus Christ. And usually he just walks along the main roads to get home. But this time he's got Zeus. So he's like, oh, I can ride the bike path home. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he's riding through the bike path when he suddenly runs over something and here's a pop. Oh, shit. And he's like, he's going down this hill, too. So he's going really fast and he manages to slow himself without crashing. And he checks out the tire thorns, a bunch of them full of thorns. So he's picking out the thorns and then he hears this rustling like right next to him. Yeah. And he's on high alert for a coyote or some kind of animal nearby because he's not. He, he doesn't think about these things yeah. like, you know, in a mystical way. Assumes an animal at first. But yeah, which is, yeah. Right. As one should. <laughs> if your first thought is fairy. Yeah. Reconsider. Um, so right before he's able to get back on the bike and get going again, Tarzan sees a man walking down the bike path. And at first he feels relief because he thinks... Oh, maybe this man's like walking his dog and his dog got off the leash and that's what I was hearing. I don't I don't know. But as the man gets closer and closer, Tarzan starts getting more anxious and feeling fearful. Mm. So he says the man was extremely handsome. Okay. Not normal handsome. Like the most handsome model you've ever seen after they were airbrushed and made to look perfect. Like Photoshop okay. perfect in real life. Yeah, yeah. Tall with dark hair and dark eyes. And this is Toronto by the ravine. Yeah. Like it's not even the gay village in Manchester. Right. <laughs> so Tarzan, he said, this is a quote. I immediately thought he's not human. Mm. I don't know why I thought that. I wasn't someone who believed in supernatural stuff. And at that time, I wasn't even into ghost stories or anything like that. But I just couldn't get the thought out of my head. Weird. So they stare at each other for a little. And then the man says, hello, I'm looking for someone and goes on to describe Jane. Oh, Jesus. And Tarzan's kind of freaking out. Yeah. And he lies. He's like, I don't know anybody who looks like that. So the man keeps staring at him without blinking Mm. and says again, more forcefully, I'm looking for someone. Where is she? Jesus. Because, you know, Jane usually always is on that bike path. Right, 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 right. So Tarzan's just like, sorry, dude, I can't help you. Starts walking away, but the man follows him all the way to the edge of the ravine to the point where, like, Tarzan is, like, fucking booking it on the bike, but he can still hear the man behind him somehow. Fucking A. Till finally, it like, all the way to the edge... The guy stops following as if he's at the edge of his territory and can't go any further. Hmm. So the next day, hmm. uh, Tarzan brings this up to Jane. It's like, do you, do you know this guy? It's like, what yeah. the fuck was that? Jane's like, no, I don't know that man. And every time I've been on that bike path, I felt like I was being watched. Fucking A. So neither of them went on it again after that. Yeah, good call. I mean, you know, the obvious is just some fucking dude who's a predator. Yeah. But if he was out there at night, like every night, you know, if she if that was the feeling of being watched, he probably wouldn't look that airbrushed. Right. It, it's to me, if it's like a Goncana story, yeah. then it's, you know, this being has been stalking Jane, wants to figure out how to look best for her. Right, right, right. I right. wonder if maybe, I don't know, like 
if he looked like Jane's ideal or something. I don't know. Right, yeah. Or if he looked like this guy's ideal. What happened with the bike? Did he fix it? Yeah, uh, he returned it to Jane. Did he put, did he get new tires? Did he put the air on the tire? I don't know. That's unresolved. Damn. I know. I hope so. Yeah. She loves that bike. (laughs) (laughs) Zeus is very important to her. So really the creepiest part of the story is the fact that the the extremely handsome is the part that. Yeah. Yeah. Causes pause. Yeah, it is. Because I'm thinking of like other stories. I mean, the devil kind of shows up like like that devil. Yeah. You know, it does show up. Yeah. As very handsome and charming a lot of times. Also, this is it feels like an incident that would be significant to Tarzan personally because he has feelings for Jane too. Yeah, definitely. So it it also makes sense that if this thing was after her, it would confront him. Or if he had, you know, deep-seated anxieties about his feelings for her, that he might manifest uh, an encounter with a a jealous being. Yeah. Or if the dude, if if the Gonkanon was like, if it like freaked out when it saw that it wasn't Jane on Mm -hmm. the bike and like threw the thorns in front of him. Like the, yeah, probably. Like, who the fuck him are you? Is what triggered it? Like, like why do you, you have Jane's here? bike? Yeah. Like, where's my girl? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Mm, it's creepy. Mm-hmm. Super fucking creepy. And then the other story that well, I'm gonna recount. Well, like, if if their goal yeah. is to make this woman fucking fall in love with him, is she gonna show up on a fucking path like that? It's not gonna work, right? Oh, maybe he thought that um, Jane was in danger. The Gunkana. Maybe. Maybe. It, maybe it thought that like. Tarzan stole her bike and did something bad to her. And he was like, where is she? Oh, whoa. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That, it could have been a protective spirit of hers. It that fucking was could be. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I don't know. Might be. Yeah. Or maybe that was the night that it was going to strike and some other protective spirit gave her a migraine to stop her yeah. from going into the woods that night. You know, it could be that as well. It, it could be anything. It could be a dude. <laughs> it could just be a really scary dude. Yeah. I'm so glad that she never encountered again. Yeah. Fucking hey, It is funny though. Like you, you mentioned that a two dude encounter, the encounters are both with guys. You know, what's interesting. My third story actually is from a guy too. I didn't even no shit. Plan that, which is so weird because, like, so far I have I have no stories of Gonkanas coming to women. Like, so far, like they've all struck out. If these are Gonkana tales, yeah, yeah, you know. Um, so the third one is a bit different. I don't know what this being is. This story came from 4chan, hmm. but <laughs> I I heard it in a compilation. I like to fall asleep to like scary 4chan whatever or Reddit posts, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. So it wasn't even in a a fairy thing whatsoever. It was just in a scary story collection. And I was like, wait a second. That sounds like it could be some fae shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this guy is going to his first bonfire party after a year of lockdown. He's ready to go hang out with his friends. They're all gathering up in the woods and it's going to be him. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, brother. You know the feeling. Let's get some. Yeah, so he's at this bonfire, hanging out with his pals. He knows everybody there. Just a good old boy. Never meaning no harm. All right. So this dude. Homeboy. Homeboy. He's going to a bonfire. Like you do. Because it's been locked down for a while, but things are opening up and his relationship is not going well. (laughs) 
so he's you know usually he, he would stay in but now he's gonna go to a party because he's like fuck it fuck it i gotta i gotta have some me time yeah have some time with the boys time with the boys right so Hell he yeah. gets to the bonfire and it's badass. There's a ton of people there hanging out in different areas. And there's this clearing there, this field. And, uh, you know, he's a, he's a couple beers in. But uh, him and all of his buddies notice this really hot girl coming out of the field. Walking just towards walking them. up. Yeah. Out of goddamn yeah, door. just by herself. As if she appeared out of the blackness, he says. She wanders on up. She's got messy hair and pajamas on, but she's a ten out of ten. She's a real fox. She's the hottest girl I ever saw. His his words. Yeah. 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 Um, and she's like, "What are you guys doing? You gotta be super hot to be hot in pajamas, really. Yeah. Especially like muddy forest pajamas. Right. Are they right. footy pajamas? I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I hope they're bunny footy. Pajamas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The ears and yeah, yeah. I don't know. That could be kind of hot. It could be. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if it's got a butt flap. Um, so she's like, hey, we're like, what's going on? And they're like, you know, we're celebrating the lockdown being over. We're partying. And she's like, yeah, I was wondering where everybody had gone. And it's like, uh, like, does she live in the do you live in the middle of the woods? Are you a forest girl? Right. Do you have more pairs of pajamas? Yeah. <laughs> so she is seemingly unaware that. Of a lockdown. Yeah, yeah. Of the global pandemic that took place. Yeah. She don't know about it. And and Homeboy thinks, mm, that's weird. But she's really hot. But she's really hot. So, yeah. So, uh, he's building up his confidence over the night, chit-chatting with her. And he finds himself alone with her. Ooh. Everyone else has wandered away. And he has the bright idea to pick a flower that's next to her. He thinks that's a real pretty flower. I should pick it and give it to her. That's <sighs> cute. Okay. Yeah. Jesus Christ, bud. <laughs> so <laughs> he leans over to pick the flower. And then when he lifts his head back up, it slams into her chin. Smooth move. Very bud. smooth. And she lifts her hands up over her face and he's like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but when she removes her hands, he describes her face as looking very strange strange how uh her cheeks have bloated up <laughs> uh she and it looks like she's a porcelain doll like she has makeup on her cheeks and like big bright red lips and her eyes are big and black what the fuck uh, yeah she just he just knocked her out of alignment right and then she's like oh i'm sorry and she lifts her hands back up to her face and he says it looks like she's shifting her face like back into place and when she removes her hands again, it's her normal face again. Yeah. But he's freaked out by that. He doesn't, he's not interested anymore. Yeah. And then after that, she kind of just says, all right, see ya. See ya, everybody. And then wanders back into the... She just fucks off? No, 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 she doesn't. No. Yeah, she's like, okay, I'm going to go. And she walks away. Yeah. And these guys decide that they're going to follow her. And make sure that she gets home safely because, of course, right, of course, they are. Yeah. And uh, they go trotting along after her. But then they just come back a minute later and they're like, man, we don't know where she went. Yeah, that's it is. Yeah. So the next day, homeboy meets up with some of his friends and they're all chit chatting about the party the night before. And he brings up this mysterious forest girl. Right? Yeah. Yeah. The field girl, the really hot one. Jammies. Right. And, and the girls that he's hanging out with are like, what girl? 
They're like, you know, the one that came out of the field. And they're like, we saw a really handsome guy come out of the field. Like how you described his hair was messy. He was wearing pajamas. Yeah, he was like the hottest guy that we've ever seen. He said his name was Marigold. So implying that like it presented itself differently. And implying that none of them, that they weren't in the gay village. No, I was just, I was just thinking that. I'm like, yeah, I probably would have seen the girl. (laughs) (laughs) Marigold though. Marigold. It's a very fairy like name. It is. So, like, I don't know what the deal with with that story is, but to me, like, it stood out in, like, this collection of random scary yeah, stories, yeah, yeah. you know? Uh, that's strange. Just, like, that there's this trope, because these are, like, three different stories from three totally different, like, modern sources um, that have this super attractive person. Mm-hmm. A location takes a, is plays a big factor in all three. Yeah. Right. Like even right. The, even the first one, like the weirdness by which this thing traversed through the location is a yeah. central factor. Second one, the fact that Jane goes through the path like every night and the boundary location is a factor. And then this obviously like the field and coming out right. of the woods. Right. And implying that she had been like she said, I wonder where everyone went implies that she's at this place. Right. Right. Nobody's like come and partied there for a while. Yeah. 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 So that, that's a, that's a sort of a subtle, but very important, I think, yeah. unifying factor between these. And then also, of course, the also all of these the beauty have happened thing. in the evening. So in within these three. Yeah. And also people that are kind of like vulnerable, like uh, yeah. Sh- Shadow Boy, he just wants to go the fuck home at like <laughs> at 5 a.m. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just he's hungry. He can't afford a fucking taxi. None of the ATMs. Yeah, work. yeah, yeah. It's like he's he's prime to yeah. be fucked with. Yes. You know, and then uh, poor Tarzan, you know, he's just by himself. You know, he's had to deal with the teenagers. He's walking home at fucking midnight. Yeah. You know. And like, also, what's so brilliant about that first story when the Goncana like runs at him in the McDonald's is because to anyone else there witnessing that, they would think that Shadow Boy is the crazy one. Like, why are you running away from your old friend that's approaching you? Yeah. You know, they don't know what he's been through that night. So it's like. I don't know if I saw a dude just start booking it from inside of McDonald's at somebody, it wouldn't matter what he said like that. That dude's nuts. Yeah. Well, he was like, ah, oh, my old friend. Come yeah, here. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. yeah. He might've been doing it in like a very gregarious, like friendly way. way. Yeah, and yeah. then he like shadow boy just turns around and books it out of there. Christ. No way to check the shadows in, in these stories. Oh it's yeah. Nightmare. Yeah. Man. It also seemed to be what exactly the thing that each of these, like the fact that they describe this fucker as the hottest thing they've ever seen. Right. I guess the second one didn't. Well, no, he did. He said it was unnaturally. Unnaturally handsome. Yeah. Like photoshopped handsome. And that changes from person to person. Yeah. You know, so that means like, yeah, there's not, it's not like universal standard. Right. Like so it's some fucking Nordic alien or something. I'm I'm thirsting for more Goncana type stories because I'm yeah. fascinated by this entity. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's very interesting. It reminds me of a few different types of. Yeah. It's a, it's at least a common like trope. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking of a, a weird encounter I had that was totally not a gun comment, just like the dude in the truck wasn't. 
Right. Unless my most gorgeous person I've ever seen is just like some fat old swamp Yankee and a fucking it was the truck. Yeah. I mean, I, I got like I do like those old trucks. Nice old truck. I, I do. And that's not even like a nice old truck. It's like early 90s, mm-hmm. you know, soft spot. Yeah. You know, smelling like stale camels. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so now we're going to move into our portion of the episode about fairy theosophy and, and talk some some about that and why why because i think it's relevant you know (laughs) as i was reading some sources like i went on scribe.com i was looking for like fairy encounters to see if there's any books that i could find fairy encounters in yeah other than the secret commonwealth good because that one's not really about fairies yeah (laughs) uh and i found that Almost all of the books that I looked at were published by the Theosophical Publishing Company or the author was somehow like connected to Theosophy. And I was like, whoa, that's very interesting. Yeah. I mean, Theosophy had, especially with fairies, but with a lot of folklore and shit, Theosophy Mm kind of grabbed it all and pulled it into the modern age. Yeah. And then there was this one book that I was reading Because I was thinking maybe I was going to do some old time fairy stories. I don't know. There's this book, The Fairy Faith in Celtic Countries, published in 1911. And I was reading it. There's some good content in there. And then I found out that the author was a theosophist. But anyway, let's get get into it. Yes. So what do I like about the author of this book? Walter Yeeling Evans Wentz. Oh, God. I love that name. That's a lot of name. I wonder if uh, he's related to Pete Wentz. No, I don't think so. Jesus Christ. Um, (laughs) Okay. Well, what I like about him is that he really embraced the belief in fairies. Yeah. Kind of like our boy. Robert Kirk. Yeah. Yeah. Reverend Kirk, you know, because that's not, you know, you don't see that too often. You don't see that too often when you're reading things by folklorists. Mostly they're just archiving stuff. They're they're not fully embracing, yeah. like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. what's in the myths or what's in the folktales. Yeah. But he did. He was a well-regarded anthropologist of religion who had a Ph.D. from Oxford University. Ooh, la, la. Yeah. And in the first decade of the 20th century, that's when our boy Walter Yeeling, W.Y. Evans Wentz, Traveled through the Celtic regions of the British Isles, as well as Brittany on France's northwest coast. And that trip resulted in the folklore classic, The Fairy Faith in Celtic Countries. So he did the walkabout, too. Yeah, he did basically exactly what Kirk did. Yeah. Yeah. Except uh, 300 years later. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's just a thing you can do. Go walk about, talk to weird people, write about it. I want to do it. <laughs> yeah, we got to get a van. <laughs> I do it. Just like go to go to middle of nowhere America, start talking to people. We need to buy an RV one day. Yeah, mystery van. By the way, this time of year, there's a mystery van set up outside of this restaurant nearby. We're going to dress up like Shaggy like and Daphne. A mi- there's a mystery machine? Yeah. Oh, shit. We're going to dress up like Shaggy and Daphne and bring along Arcos and take a <laughs> picture in front of the mystery machine. Oh, man. Okay. I just think it would be fun. That would be very funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So aside from the fairy faith in Celtic countries worth as a record of surviving fairy beliefs and superstitions, it's unique in its championing of an underlying reality behind the tradition, you Mm. know, yeah, leans into it like Jacques Vallée passport to Magonia type of ideas. Right. You know, except before the UFO phenomenon was even. So this is 
he's doing the Robert Kirkman. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Also, it's worth mentioning that Evans Wentz was the guy who translated the Tibetan Book of the Dead into English. Okay. Really smart dude. Really cool dude. That's cool. So, Evans Wentz. I got to say both last names. Okay. They're hyphenated. They go together. Yeah. He deduced that fairies live in an other world that overlaps with the human world. He pointed out that there's basically never been a tribe, race, or nation who have not had some form of belief in a hidden world inhabited by non-human beings. Since the earliest times, as we see in ancient cave art, songs, and folk tales, the world has been pictured as animate and imbued with living spirits, mythic archetypes, and symbols drawn from stories told for thousands of years. So he was writing in a time when they could actually make words make sense together. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. A lot easier to read. Yes. So let's hear some of the theories about fairies from people he spoke with around the British Isles. Okay. Well, about seven of the people he interviewed had the idea that fairies were fallen angels trapped between heaven and hell. When uh, the gates were closed following Lucifer's rebellion, they got trapped there. Okay. So they got, they weren't, they're not from that place. They just got stuck there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm, like stranded. Fa- like fallen angels. Yeah. Stuck in the in-between. Right. Like, uh, like not a demon, not an angel, not a human. But over time, they've had to like adapt to being in a place where they're not from like stranded yeah. astronauts or something. Right. It's interesting. Like aliens, like space. What yeah. the? F- yeah. Yeah. Weird. Okay. Uh, there was one minister in Montgomeryshire who suggested that, quote, God allowed them, the fairies, yeah. to appear in times of great ignorance to convince people of the existence of an invisible world. So this minister viewed the fairies almost like a, like a divine presence that helped revive yeah. people's faith in the unseen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is an interesting interpretation. Yeah. It describes like a divine reason for like, you know, the, the secret Commonwealth's bit, which was to Robert Kirk was just trying to show that mm-hmm. it wasn't the fairies who were trying to show that. Right. Yeah. There was an herb doctor and seer who uh, told Evans Wentz that fairies were the lost souls of people who died before the flood. Oh my. Which that's quite an interpretation. Yeah. Old ghosts. Then there was a middle-class theosophist couple who described them as astral beings. They fucking would. Yeah. And then there was other people who said that they were memories of former pygmy races inhabiting Britain. Interesting. Uh, Then in Wales, a lot of people seem to agree that fairies were just like a a race of spirits that can move in between worlds. Like, we don't know what they are. They're just these beings that move in between realms. We don't know. It's... They didn't want to commit to anything. Yeah. And then in Cornwall, many believed that local the local pixies around there yep. were the souls of stillborn children or newborn babies who died before they could be baptized. That was a big thing is like you have to get your kid baptized or you have to watch them 24-7 until they're baptized. Otherwise, right, right. they might be replaced with a changeling. Oh. Yeah. You got to dash the water on the head. Mm-hmm. Spit on that baby. <laughs> okay here's one uh changeling story from evans wentz's book a family at dalby in the isle of man had a poor idiot baby and when it was 20 years old it still sat by the fire just like a child He's so, he's so rude, right in the first sentence. Oh, man. Well, no, that was the technical term. That was the clinical term at the yeah. time. Yeah. 
It, it sat by the fire just like a child. You can't sit by the fire, apparently. A tailor came to the house to work on a day when all the folks were out cutting corn, and the idiot was left with him. The tailor began to whistle as he sat on the table sewing, and the little idiot sitting by the fire said to him, If you'll not tell anybody when they come in, I'll dance that tune for you. So the little fellow began to dance, and he could step it out splendidly. <laughs> Then he said to the tailor, if you'll not tell anybody when they come in, I'll play the fiddle for you. And then the tailor and the idiot spent a very enjoyable afternoon, played the fiddle all all the live long day. It's just a story about a, a mentally disabled person. <laughs> but before the family came in from the fields, the poor idiot, as usual, was sitting in a chair by the fire, a big baby who couldn't hardly talk. When the mother came in, she happened to say to the tailor, you've a fine chap, her, referring to the idiot. Yes, indeed, said the tailor. We've had a very fine afternoon together, but I think we'd better make a good fire and put him on it. Oh, cried the mother. The poor child can't even walk. Ah, but he can. He can dance and play the fiddle, too, said the tailor. So the fire was made, and when the idiot saw that they were putting him on it, he pulled from his pocket a ball, and this ball went rolling ahead of him. He went after it and was never seen again. What? <laughs> That's the official the story. Really, they burned him and, and buried the body. They're like, yeah, he, he went after the ball. We don't know what happened after that. What the hell? Like, did they just murder their kid that they didn't want to deal with anymore? Or is he actually Pixie Man? I don't know. I don't know. Wow. That's a hell of a story. Okay. Isn't it? Yeah. So some of my favorite stories from the books are the ones about people who have psychic abilities that could somehow transfer their abilities. We talked about this. I briefly what? mentioned it. Last yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a man named David Davies at New Church who would see phantom funerals. I don't know what that, like the specifics of that means, but I can kind of imagine like he... Probably like a whole funeral at the, um, like the ferry hill next to the church. Yeah. Because they always yeah, built I them there. And like, like you're saying, like people see, that's probably how they know they have funerals because right. they see phantom funerals. One day, David Davies is with a friend yeah. and he sees a phantom funeral and his friend can't see it. And David is like, do you see it? Do you see it? His friend's like, no. And then David puts his foot on his friend's foot and the friend is able to see it. So you just stamp on people's feet to get them to see yeah. phantoms. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. The idea of like touch transference. Yeah. So we know that Evans Wentz was a theosophist, right? You're right. So let's talk... A little bit about what Helena Blavatsky has to say about fairy tales. Sure. Well, Blavatsky, the uh, founder of yeah, theosophy. she founded theosophy. Yeah. yeah, I don't. Founder feels like a an odd word to use, but I guess it's suitable. Yeah, she founded the Theosophical Society. Right. Yeah. So Blavatsky believed that fairy tales were important sacred symbols that belonged to all of mankind. All right. The reader or listener is the true protagonist in every in every fairy tale. Which is an interesting idea. That is. And she believed that the land of the fairy is the inner world that each of us must eventually explore. Interesting. Fairy tales offer the possibility of fantasy. That is, the opportunity to create a world that never was and never will be, but might be. Mm. And if mm. the purpose of evolution is, as theosophy proposes, to let us grow into creators of worlds, then... Well, fairy tales give us some advanced practice in becoming creators, because what's some of the first things we do? We tell stories, we get told stories. Yes. 
You know, everybody knows the story of the three little pigs and Hansel and Gretel. These are some of the first blueprints that we use to decipher right from wrong and learn about life. Absolutely. And stories is how the world is shaped. Yep. The only way a thing gets done is if you tell a good story about it. Yeah. Anything. So for a fairy tale, it's created not just by the writer or the person that tells it, but by every single person who reads it or hears it. They're that's, kind of a co-creator oh, in so the tale. So the story is different every time it's read or heard because each act of reading or hearing is now a new event that adds to the plot of the story. Okay. So interesting, right? Yeah, because it has this quality of being part, being something that no one wrote. Yeah. It's just part of the culture. It's part of the database that we're all drawing from, right? Yeah. And so that by its nature d differentiates it from other pieces of fiction. Each person who hears it becomes one of the holders of it, one of the yeah. people who's going to pass it down and shit. So they do, in fact, leave their imprint on, mm -hmm. on it. Yeah. That's super interesting. So to expand on the theosophical view of fairies, we're going to learn a bit about this medieval dude, Paracelsus. Paracelsus. Yes. That's not his real name. Yeah, I know. His real name is Theophrastus Bombastus von Hohenheim. Yeah, say it right. Yeah, you say it right. Theophrastus Bombastus von Hohenheim. Yes, that's excellent. <laughs> <laughs> like, why would you want to change that? That's a great name. Well, he was a German doctor, alchemist, and astrologer born in Zurich, 1493. Mr. Paracelsus was also known to be very vain and combative, described as abusive, conceited, and unable to ingratiate himself with others. <laughs> He took his name from the highly respected Roman physician Celsus and added para to it, thus making him greater than Celsus. Mm. So why are we talking about this bozo? <laughs> he was very influential and like <laughs> hugely influential in medicine. And she's where uh, the yes. the dose makes the poison like that. That principle uh -huh. comes from and shit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's more than a bozo. Mm -hmm. Well, he's also very significant to fairy lore. Thanks to his idea of the spirits of the four elements, which, of course, I'm sure he's not the first person. To... No, he was the dude who came up with the whole uh, salamanders, sylphs, yeah, undines, and gnomes. Yeah, Right. The elements have always been important right. to folklore, yeah, but yeah. he added to it in this interesting way. Yeah. Because, of course, as a doctor of the times, studying magic was part of his profession. Yeah. So he's got this book, right? And it kind of it's kind of similar to the t the long title of the Secret Common. Yeah, yeah, they love that shit. Yeah, on nymphs, sylphs, pygmies, and salamanders, and other spirits. Yes. Yeah, this is the book where he set out his theories on the supernatural world. He theorized that there's this place, this state between the material and non-material, where these elemental beings all chill out, which I think is a cool way to think of it. Like I do, I do dig this idea. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, Paracelsus was a good Catholic. So, of course, God played a role in creating these elementals. Right. It's just how it is. It's just how it is. Well, they all have important functions. And there are four species for which he uses a variety of names. But for simplicity, there are the nymphs of water. Yes. The sylphs of the air, which, by the way, is a word that he made up. Oh. The fiery salamanders, a.k.a. Vulcani. Mm. And the pygmies or gnomes of the earth, who he also called mountain mannequins. Ooh. Also, the word gnome was apparently invented by Paracelsus. Interesting. Gnome and sylph. Huh. Now, one thing that's salamanders, you can go catch salamanders. 
Yeah. That's the only one of these four that you can catch. And I mean, the, it's usually after a rain, you'll go find salamanders. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're very wet creatures. in a different way than what we think of. Well, no. Do you know the story behind this? No. This is wild. Okay. Okay. The reason salamanders are associated with fire is because they live in logs. And before you like, you know, see if you didn't season the logs and shit, if it was just like a fallen tree, uh-huh. you throw that wood in the fire, salamanders run out of the fire. Okay. Yeah. So it looks like they're, they're born, born in the fire. That's fun. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's, the, that's, quite that's fun. the, that's the thing about salamanders and fire. Wow. Volcani coming from the, yeah. 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 Sweet. More, you know. Yeah. You teach me something new every day. I have a lot of really useless information in my head. Yeah. That has proven to be useful in our silly podcast. <laughs> so some more information about Paracelsus's elementals. Yes. They're like humans, but not. They're closer to humans than they are to beasts, but they're, they're not either. Yeah. They're composite spirit men. Their flesh is more subtle than ours, and they can travel through objects. In many respects, they're kind of just like us. They need food, drink, and clothing. Okay. They have children. They have diseases and other health complaints. Yeah. And they do live a long time, but they do eventually die. Yep. Uh, they make tools. Yeah. They, ha- they have a government. They have laws. They uh, rest and sleep. They have night and day. They have seasons. This is this is all the same. This is the same story. Yeah. 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 So the major difference between them and us is that they have no souls, but apparently they can be saved by marrying a human and nymphs are the most likely to interbreed because of course they look the most human. So they have Mm. the best chance at gaining a soul. Uh, Poor cousin Jimmy. All of the elements are separate from each other. He says they don't really interact much with one another, but they do interact with humans. So we're like the sort of like the center of the wheel. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Mm. Axel. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So. Which to me doesn't make sense. That that point doesn't make sense that they wouldn't all. It does if you think much. that they're if they have a component that is part of our consciousness. Oh, right. Yeah, that's like true. we're the holy that's part true. of the consciousness, but it needs us to exist. Right. right. See, if that was included as part of like his conception, then it yeah. would make sense. Well, I mean, this if, is if how I science progresses. In, yeah, <laughs> true. Adding that in, yes, I can. Yeah. See it. Of, of course it would need humans to, to interact. Salamanders, though, are like right there. You can go catch them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, the elementals serve two vital functions, which is to indicate and warn of future events, such as political, economic upheavals or uh, bridges in West Virginia falling yeah. down. Um, and they act as guardians over nature. So they predict and warn, or, and they guard nature. Hell yeah. Yes. So... Paracelsus's fourfold division of nature, this idea of the elementals, yeah. became very enduring. And the, the proof is in the pudding, seeing as gnome is kind of like, that's just part of our vocabulary now. Yeah, everyone knows what a gnome you is. Know, it's practically interchangeable with dwarf nowadays. Also, I had no idea. It was just a made-up word. <laughs> medieval German. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, amongst those who followed Paracelsus's fourfold classification of fairy were Eliphas Levy. Yep. Madame Blavatsky. Yep. W.B. Yeats, yep. Evans Wentz, oh, yeah. Rudolf Steiner, Jeffrey Hodson. Yeah. Jeffrey Hodson. Who's he? I don't know. Okay. Well, he was a theosophist in ah, this book. Okay. And the book is called Fairies at Work and Play. <laughs> and this book is- Sounds like a fucking- Yeah. Pin-up calendar. <laughs> 
it's an example of how Paracelsus's ideas can become kind of constricting and confusing rather than helpful. Sure. Like the book ends up sort of being a, a hodgepodge of, of categories of fairy beings, elves, brownies, mannequins, elementals, devas, uh, borrowed from the Hindu belief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Philosophy. The devas, yeah. Yeah. It, like just all, all this shit. Also, Jeffrey Hodson, he's a clairvoyant too. Yes, 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 yes. He tries to be very like scientific about this, <laughs> but the list just ends up to me feeling confusing. Right. Yeah. Also, our old nemesis Ledbetter strongly <laughs> yeah. endorsed Hodson's work in writing. This son of a bitch. <laughs> stating himself that he could corroborate many of Hodson's descriptions of nature spirits. Oh, I'm sure he could. seen them, too. Of course. They're good pals. I'll, yeah. I'll vouch for him. Oh, <laughs> you So all of this so. to say, there's a lot of confusion over the exact nature of fairies that I think, like... Sometimes, in an effort to make sense of things and form a unified theory, authors can tend to place things into classifications needlessly. But that's also a very theosophical thing is like yeah. coming up with all these lists and graphs and like yeah. pulling from all these different things and like. You know, yeah, like as I think I've said, like whenever like the, the fucking New Agers use like science words wrong. I'm just like, guys, you don't need to do that. Right. Like, it's not it's science. Simple. Just don't worry about it. Right. It's fine. This is all poetry, right? Like we're not. Mm -hmm. And I feel like well, that just comes, that's what, that that comes from theosophy, that tendency. Yeah. Because they tried to make it that, like the, it doesn't work. So now Blavatsky, yeah. her interpretation of the idea of elemental, she gets it at least like slightly more on the money, in my opinion. That's true of literally everything in theosophy. Yeah. Blavatsky and whoever like, came after her. Blav Blavatsky show is worth a damn. Like not worth everything. Right. But like it it reasonably belongs in the canon. Yeah. Everyone after her. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not. <laughs> so in theosophy, there are seven kingdoms. Okay. The idea of seven yeah. kingdoms. Yeah. But right now we're concerned with the first three, which are the elemental kingdoms. Right. The elemental kingdoms are the planes of matter focused on something called we're going to call involutionary development. Okay. The opposite of evolutionary development, oh. right? Involutionary development refers to when undifferentiated consciousness becomes increasingly immersed into matter, thereby becoming limited and constricted until it reaches the fourth kingdom, which is the mineral kingdom, like the real one. You know, oh. the, the turning point between intellectual involution and evolution, where consciousness is aware of itself. It's immersed and dominated by matter, like lava becoming a rock. Like Yeah, that sounds like the like four this, worlds in Kabbalah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's exactly like that. Yeah. Right. So the elements exist in the first three before the the mineral kingdom, right? Right. All right. Now Blavatsky says of elemental beings, quote, they are the souls of the elements, the capricious forces in nature acting under one immutable law inherent in these centers of force with undeveloped consciousness and bodies of plastic mold, which can be shaped according to the conscious or unconscious will of the human being who puts himself in rapport with them. These beings have never been, but will in myriad of ages hence, be evolved into men. They belong to the three lower kingdoms. Oh. So in her idea, these nature spirits can eventually cycle up oh. into man. And I guess then by man, meaning just like something like <clears throat> man as we are now. Yeah. But like, okay, that's unique. 
Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Fourth de- that's where the density shit comes from. Mm. You know, like fourth density, fifth density. Yeah. That, that's got to be this. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. these are. Like we've got to go further. Yeah. On the path to the seven. Right. Yeah. We're, we're higher density beings, I think. I, I, well, I think we're in the fourth density now, and that's probably what fi- that's five D. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's that's where that comes from. It's gotta maybe. Okay, so some other information about these elementals from Blavatsky's point of view. So, because they're governed by natural law, like they're not in our kingdom. Yeah, you know, they they don't have they have they have a different moral sense than us. Right. You know, like. Good and bad don't really mean much of anything. Right, right. Because and this is like a state even before matter. Right. So it's a state before morality right. enters into it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they have like they have no fixed bodies, meaning that like when what you see is not really what it is. Right, right, right. So instead they have bodies that can be molded and shaped by the perception of the human beings that come into contact with them. Okay. Whether or not the human beings are aware of that. Fact. Okay. Yeah. 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 So they might think that they're seeing like what it really is, but really it's just showing itself to you in the, in the, like through your filter. Right. And that, so yeah, this characteristic explains the descriptions that clairvoyants have given of the elementals as corresponding with the popular image of fairies so that's why a lot of people see end up seeing similar stuff because they've had their minds molded by what's around them and what's you know right they of their consciousness the same people are building the filters yeah they're coming out the filters are coming out of the same factory exactly right so far blavatsky i have to say is probably the most correct mm-hmm. except for the weird ladder like density thing i don't like that yeah it's just the hierarchy type thing that i don't i don't <laughs> i don't dig on but like this is the actual metaphysics of it, like make more sense than any of the other authors we've. Yes, about. this is yeah. a very different idea of fairies than and like the paranormal and yeah UFOs and all this shit. It's it's similar. Yes, it's just it, a bit more sophisticated and taking right. into account the whole the human aspect. Taking into it. account science as much as I was like, oh, they shouldn't try to do the science thing. But this at least like Blavatsky at least takes that what we've learned so far into mm-hmm. i don't know he good job Helen. to them like not only as nature spirits but also as centers of force which mm. is interesting to me too she says like because a clairvoyant or whoever like views the fae the seer has a popular image in mind that's what is projected onto like, yeah the consequent models it's the stay puff marshmallow man right yeah like now that that model has been put out into the universe it's going to be then built upon by by other people so right now, right, now right. this elemental it's it acts as a center of force almost like a kind of like a meme a little bit yeah exactly yeah absolutely so fairies have found a new life these days especially like within the world of new age visionaries and channelers and other explorers of the far edges of consciousness. Or they think they're swimming the ocean. They're actually in a kiddie pool. Right. Like I've noticed there's a lot of um, like witches on on the internet who like practice specifically fey magic and are very yes. like in, into that. Yeah. To me, the major difference between the old tradition and this new emergent tradition and how people 
think of fairies and how their magical practices relate to them is that our ancestors kind of sought to break away from the fairy realm, like throw that fucking baby in the fire, stay away from that hill. Yes. They are dangerous. Yeah. Like do not fuck with these things. Whereas now a lot of the contacts that humans have with the fairy world are intentional. Like people go out and, and are seeking it out. Like they, they're, we have, People wandering into the woods to find Bigfoot. Like, we want to right. see it. Yes. We're and, calling it to us. And I think that kind of, I mean, back in the back in the day, the, the overriding cultural drive was one of the domination of nature. Yeah. And, and now we're, like, obviously seeing the consequences of the domination of nature. And we're like, oh, shit, we want to go back to the garden. Yeah. You know? And I think in, in that case, you know, it, it does represent, even apart from any paranormal aspects, it represents humans subconscious desire to go back to nature yeah they're and they're also agents of spiritual evolution yeah and the other thing is that nature is fucking dangerous yeah right and so like i don't think that you should get rid of the idea that like this shit is fucking dangerous Mm -hmm. because you should not go out into the woods if you do not know what you're doing by yourself for an extended and actually when i think of it a lot of like when when I do look up information about the Fae coming from like a modern perspective, like posts on Reddit or 4chan, TikTok, like looking at the social media perspective, there is a lot of warnings yeah. you know, about like, be careful, be very yeah. careful working with this. I mean, and you should be for every every reason and every uh, yeah every every conception of with how much of this is real practice really with is going out into nature too. Yeah, you know, yeah. honestly. Like, don't go climbing a mountain by yourself if you don't right. know what the weather's going to do. Don't just go touching plants. Yeah, don't just go touching plants and shit. Yeah, really. <laughs> that's, you you don't get know fucked what that up. Is. Find some giant hogweed. Right. So, I don't know. I I like, I do like this idea of, I do like how many um, different lenses that you can view fairies through. Yeah, I think, man, it, God, it's almost like it's a useless definition. Yeah. You know? Because it seems like it's you, it's a lot of different things that you're talking about and like lumped them all together. I guess it just means right. the other. It's the it's the other. It's the spooky. Yeah. It's the and like I don't know about you. I've always loved fairy tales and fairies. Hell yeah. And I think that fairy tales and even like looking into this stuff, it helps us recover a sense of freshness. Yeah. You know, like looking at, at the world in different ways, kind of like when you're a kid, when you play around and role play and like I'm. I'm going to be so... I want to play D&D right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it takes us back to sort of a a time when all the world was the land of the fairy. And, you know, we're just setting out upon a quest to find that which was lost. You know, we're going out and trying to find these tales of that relate to to shit that's happening now and shit that's happened for all of time. And I don't know. it, It makes sense to me that people want to retreat back into the a more imaginative world well yo look at even the dumb bullshit with the uh, cern and the large hadron collider yes i can't get mad at people for being fucking morons yeah because people have always been telling stories like that yeah it's just always been happening they want a world of unlimited possibilities exactly exactly you know the worst thing you can ever do to anything is put it in a cage right you know it's the most fucked up thing you can ever do and a lot of people when people feel encaged by anything whether it's 1692 or 14 or whatever it was mm-hmm. uh or 2022 like people feel put in case they're gonna pray for a world of unlimited possibility yeah right? it is comforting 
Yeah. And also, God damn it, it is so weird that there is a core story about the Fae that is the same throughout. Throughout time. Throughout, throughout time. centuries. Yeah. That is weird. <laughs> There's something like, to that. There's definitely something there. I've seen weird shit. Yeah. Like weird shit happens. There's yep. something there's something there. Yeah. <laughs> we should we're gonna take a look at some more uh, weird stories from from nowadays. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. So now we can move into the second portion of the episode. Okay. With some music. Yeah, you like you like this? Oh God, no. Yeah. Okay. I want you to imagine a tiny, wrinkly purple goblin dancing to that. Uh, goblins, you say? Yep. Hell yeah. Yeah. We're going to tell you, I'm going to tell you the story of the goblin dancer. Yes. Lest I, I I'm going to try to avoid to say it's, avoid saying its name because that's what gives it power, you know. Story okay. of the goblin dancer. And this is from 2020. This is from the paranormal board of 4chan. I, I do have it in, uh, yeah, it's, it's that. It's the Abeskin thing. It's not tiny men. Yeah, no, I want to tell the story instead. Can uh, you tell both? Probably. I probably could. We'll we'll see. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, probably. For sure. Okay, I'm going to go pee. Do you want to? Would you like to to read it? Okay, sure. It's a green text, by the way. Yeah, which is the only reason way you should only reason you should ever like read a 4chan post because right. it's it's a funny way to write things. It is. Like I I I, I like it, it. It really is. Be me. Be three years old. Family moves to grandparents' house in Dallas Fort Worth, Texas, because dad lost a job and needs time to get back on feet. I love grandma's house, but I haven't ever spent more than about a week or two at a time here. There. Excited because I get to sleep in my own room for the first time. We were dirt poor. Since my grandma's house is huge and my infant brother is sick all the time and wakes up and wakes everyone up at night and mom feels bad. I get the room above the garage. A cool room. Do you think it's like cool temperature wise or it's like cool room? It's cool. It's cool. I'll tell you why it's cool. Can see the lizards that live in great numbers on my grandma's porch from that angle. Is that cool? Kind of cool. Yeah. Grandma's house was the only one on the block that had any lizards, let alone hundreds. We would often find dead frogs in the pool or in the road out front. Super cool. Look out and see the lizards and quickly drift off to sleep, knowing that it's going to be a fun time at Grandma's. (laughs) 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 Wake up in the middle of the night because I hear a little pitter-patter sound. Sit up quickly and noticing the shadows cast on the wall, look towards the nightlight. One of those ones that projects a cute image of a night sky complete with happy stars and plants. This motherfucker is three years old. He remembers all this shit. I guess so. Bullshit. See a teeny, wrinkly, purple goblin fuck and nothing but tattered rags with huge yellow-white eyes like light bulbs dancing around my nightlight. Sort of tap dancing and shimmying his arms. Cool, that JPG. Hello there, I say. Fucker stops dancing and slowly turns to look at me. Shiny eyes. Get up to dance with him. (laughs) 
No, stay in bed, he quickly says. What the fuck? I don't want to see him kissing goblins, kissing <laughs> goblins, ingratiating goblins, in bed with a goblin. I don't want to break it down. Kissing goblins, goblins, ingratiating goblins, in bed with a goblin. I don't want to see him kissing goblins, ingratiating goblins, in bed with a goblin. Dump it. <laughs> Dump it. Uh, you know, I know. I'm gonna beat that joke into the fucking ground. It's so good. And every if it if it keeps if it comes up, it's gotta happen. Right. We're talking about goblins. We so. didn't intentionally go for goblins in bed, but here they are again. Yeah. Okay. No, stay in bed. He quickly says. His voice is very high pitched but assertive. Stay in bed, but still facing him. What is your name? I say to him. No, uh, you'd say like a three. What's your name? What is your name? Yeah, that's how he talks. Say to him. Three years old. What's your name? I say to him. <laughs> Abeskin. Abeskin? I say back. Yeah, what's your name? Anon. <laughs> <laughs> I was a dumb fuck kid. He laughs and starts clapping and jumping, which would terrify anyone with any real world experience. But it made me laugh and clap back at him because I am a kid. Yeah. He stops clapping and goes quiet and we just look at each other for a bit. I was amused or entranced by the whole thing. I got a question for you, Anand. He said suddenly, breaking the silence. The game is afoot.exe. What question? Where on a camel is its meat? WTF? Yeah. Confused, start thinking about camels and what they are and what stands out about them. In the humps? He laughs a little bit at that. Nah, silly Anand. That would be the water. The meat is in the legs. Big meaty hind legs that hold the humps up. The fucker laughs like he's the he's the comedian of the century and I join him because I'm a fucking kid. We stop laughing and he asks, Do you know Lindsay? Mom's name changed for obvious reasons. Yeah, she's my mom. She's asleep. Point in the direction of mom's room. I used to watch your mama, he says with a laugh like a trill at the end. Mom grew up here. Of course she did. It's your, uh, yeah. Well, I guess your grandparents don't have to live in the same place your parents grew up, but yeah. Yeah. So pa pausing to talk about this a bit. The meat is in the legs. That's it, just a weird thing to say. Yeah. It's, no, it, 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 it's a very strange question to ask. It's a weird memory to have. It's a very it, weird memory. It feels to too complex. Yeah. For a three-year-old man. Yeah. No, it's, that's ridiculous. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I'll, I'll take the next part. All right. Yeah, it's actually, it's not that long. Okay. It's just like a long post because there's a bunch of replies to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. So all of a sudden, the wind blows the curtains on my window open, which was weird because they, A, should have already been open, and B, the window itself was closed. Abeskin mm. looks at it, and his facial expression changes from giddy slash amused to worried slash concerned. Mm. He starts talking in Dr. Seuss language, that's the best way to describe it, about how he has to leave now, and he wishes he could stay and talk about the world all rhyming and in some meter. Hmm. Probably can't remember shit because the trance I enter is indescribable as I watch him. He steps backwards up the windowsill. Eye contact remains, and he keeps talking. His glowing eyes feel warm and calming. Ever seen two water droplets touch? That's what it looked like when his back foot touched the window, like water joining up with itself. He kept moving backwards, getting fainter in voice and merging more with the window. Soon only his glowing eyes were left, and it was silent and the wind stopped. 
I stared into the after images of his eyes for only a few seconds as it went from pitch dark night to early morning in the space of that time, hit by a wave of tired. Mom walks in, breakfasttime.mp3. <laughs> what does that sound like? What the fuck does breakfast time? I'm going to look look up what breakfasttime.mp3 oh, is. It's probably some stupid shit. <laughs> it's definitely some stupid shit. It's definitely some stupid shit. Breakfast time! Breakfast time! Great. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's breakfasttime.mp3. I'm tired, mom. Tell her about Abeskin, how he's like my Monsters, Inc. monster. I was obsessed with that movie at the time. You were three. Leave out the parts about him watching her. I felt like he entrusted me with that info, and it would be a breach of trust to disclose it. I thought you were a fucking kid. You know, I kids still have complex feelings. He's three. He still have complex feelings. It, it, he doesn't understand breach of trust. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, write it off as nothing more than a vivid dream for a kid with an overactive imagination. You don't write shit off. You're three. Down to eat. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Fast forward eight years. Okay. So now he's uh, 11. Allegedly. Yeah. Be me. Oldest of now five kids. God. Okay. Visiting really <laughs> just... just Visiting grandma's house for our yearly summer trip. Haven't thought about a Beskin for at least five years at this point. And they're definitely in a minivan. Yeah. Around the table for family breakfast. That MP3. Uh, something is missing. We all realize that my sister, Bailey, three years old, is not here. Presumably still in bed. Uh, yes. Just something is missing. Oh, it's my sister. <laughs> um, normally, she would wake up with my other sister, five years old. Who shares a room with her, but older sister was having bad nightmares, so she slept with my parents that night. Mom goes to wake Bailey. She comes out of the room, pale as a drywall dust. What? We <laughs> we all stare in silence. Is Bailey okay? My dad asks. Mom nods. She's fine, but she's too tired to come down because she was up all night playing with the dancing man. As mom says this, she makes direct eye contact with me from the top of the stairs. Holy fuck. I probably go pale, too. It all floods back to me. The rest of the day is very strange, and I avoid that bedroom for the rest of the trip. Mm. Weird. Yeah. So, also, some details to note. The room where this, this shit happened in, it used to belong to this guy's mom, and mom and mom's sister yeah. shared the room as kids. Okay. But mom's sister was like fucking evil and was so abusive towards yeah. mom that they had to be separated. It was like there was an evil force in the room. Yeah. You know. Also, they had a psychic to the house who was OP's uh, best friend's mom. Yeah, yeah. Call her Shaylee. She came to the grand the grandparents' house and... She pulled OP aside and was like, hey, there's something on the back of your grandpa's neck and it is eating away at him like an astral parasite. Oh, his neck. oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. She she told OP that he could like burn this thing to exercise the parasite and gave him a piece of wood. But OP uh, never did it. Hmm. That's uh, oh, it says down here. It's like also talked to my sister about the experience. She told me that the wind woke her up in the middle of the night and she looked over and saw him dancing. She started dancing too. It was like the little guy couldn't stop as long as she was. He was laughing and dance copying. 
imitating her moves, but I never spoke to her. Eventually, she got tired and passed out on the floor where my mom found her. So that's interesting that Obeskin told OP, get back in bed when he tried to get up and dance. But the sisters. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that's been like making me not just dismiss this out of hand since it is a 4chan text post is that it does sound similar to more credible stories that are kind of deeper lore. Right. Um, I mean, even just like Kit Green in the Psychic Spy series, Night Goblins, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, it, it seems to be a thing that happens. Right. And like the idea of like astral parasites to things that attach themselves. And it's also very fey-like. Like, mm-hmm. So there's two more parts to the story, just two more okay. posts. Do you want to take the, the next part? Sure. So be me. Be living with grandparents about a year and a half ago. Not too long after his accent changed as he grew up. I wonder how old OP is. Man, he's about 22. Yeah, he's probably young. Yeah. Living with grandparents about a year and a half ago. Not too long after the conversation with Shaley. The watched. psychic who said the about grandpa's parasite. That's correct. Now I'm doing a Tony Clifton. Watching a TV show with my dad in the basement. You're banging upstairs. I can't do that the whole time. You're banging upstairs. My dad pauses the show. Go check it out, Anon. I walked up the stairs. Could see no lights were on up there. Bang, bang. I walk more out of the way until I can see through the banister into the rest of the house. Out of the kitchen comes my grandpa in his pajamas. This grandmotherfucker is on a Razor scooter? He's riding a Razor scooter. It's fucking 2 a.m. He sort of tries and fails to do a trick or something. Then makes eye contact with me. <laughs> Freezes. Dismounts. Stares at me for like 10 frames. Throws the scooter down violently. Stomps towards the bedroom. Making eye contact as long as possible. <laughs> Slams that door shut. And scene. I go downstairs and tell dad to unpause the show. What was it? Just grandpa. Huh. <laughs> what the fuck? Grandpa's not doing good. Yeah. Since then, we've moved out of my grandparents' house, but we stayed close because both of them are always incredibly sick with something. And no matter the treatment, it seems like something else always crops up. They feel better with us, us around for this reason. I know that's sort of what you should expect in your 70s, but another tidbit that I gleaned from my mom is that my grandpa used to be a super happy and social person when he was a, and he was kind and wonderful to everyone until he was about 30. He was diagnosed with some disease, and it meant that he couldn't eat a lot of the foods he loved, play any sports, go camping, or really do much of anything that brought him happiness. After that, he was always grumpy and a little scary. Shaylee sometimes asks me about Obeskin, and she tells me that I shouldn't say its name because it gives it power, but some part of me feels safe from him. Can't say the same for my grandpa. I know that the memories from the initial encounter seem very vivid for memories from so young, yeah, and that's because they are. They are seared into my mind like a movie I can't play anywhere. I can play anywhere. Like a movie I can play anywhere. I will try to answer questions or clarify things tomorrow, but I have to sleep because it's almost 5 a.m. where I am. Yeah. So the little purple wrinkly dancing goblin. Yeah. Which tiny dancing dudes, you know, you know what I'm referencing. Just. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. You get it. Yeah. I need to like, I want to look through my uh, book of, of Faye and see if there's anything that, that matches that. Right. I. I would have appreciated it would be cool to see like a sketch of this thing, but also not everybody has the artistic ability to provide. Yeah, I, like, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to. But I think like uh, it should be said, like we didn't really mention this up top, but like I think a lot of our interest in the Fae is like because you do start seeing shit like this in places you wouldn't expect it, like mm-hmm. a fucking lab at SRI or something. Right. Yeah. Like That's not where you expect that sort of you, you don't expect goblins. Right. You don't expect CIA talking about goblins. And it is interesting that the idea that 
the paranormal is just fairy world. Right. You know, or what has been described as the fairy goblin world. goblin universe. Or the goblin universe. Yeah, exactly. Is also, it's also referred to as that. Yeah, exactly. And I'm not making that up. That's No, that's a, really that's a, a book. Thing. That's a dude's thing. And it's just this idea that there's this sideways universe, like a universe that runs perpendicular to ours where like shit ain't. The, the smegma like, goblin lives there. Right. I forgot about the smegma goblin. Stealing your cock cheese. Right. Well, it's it's not even just like about a, a universe that's populated with goblins. It's just like a universe where right. shit doesn't make sense yeah. like it does here. Mm-hmm. And when it pokes through, it's just bizarre beyond all fuck and we have to interpret it somehow. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, definitely a super cool interpretation or hypothesis, the goblin universe. Yeah. I like it. I like it. So do we have time for more stories of, of tiny little things? I believe so. Because I have a couple more and they're quick. I have some quick ones. Yeah. Just to keep Babeskin company because, you know, we, we talked about a tall guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And talk about some tiny guys. Yeah. Yeah. You love tiny things. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do. Let's see. Dr. Nandor Fodor. Nandor Fodor. Yes. He was a psychoanalyst and parapsychologist of Hungarian origin who lived in the United States. He was a leading authority on poltergeist and dream interpretation. One of his subjects he did a lot of study on was Jeff the Talking Mongoose. Oh, okay. And I bring up Dr. Fodor because of a patient of his in 1948 who told him all about her personal leprechaun named Murgatroyd. Oh, Murgatroyd. Yeah. I saw the name (laughs) Murgatroyd today. I don't know that I've ever like seen it or noticed it. But like I've heard it before. I I saw it today in my travels on the Internet. It was like an ad for a lawyer named like Robert Murgatroyd. I was like, that's weird. <laughs> <clears throat> so Murgatroyd is two feet tall, always dressed in green and tan, had no shadow mm. and always stood three feet away from her. And if she tried to draw a picture of him, the picture would disappear. Hmm. Now, when the patient visited the doctor, she said that Murgatroyd had come along with her in the taxi on the way there because he loved taxi rides. But he he didn't come up to the appointment. He decided to stay in the taxi and and ride it around while she was there because he likes, you know, being invisible and hanging out there and riding around. So, yeah, he's chilling in the taxi like uh, and she's up in her appointment. And after some discussion, Fodor learned that the leprechaun had manifested after the death of an elderly relative and that he most likely represented her need to belong to a family. Like, she felt like this was a being that had been with perhaps uh, the family member before her yeah. and was passed down onto her. And um, Dr. Fodor said that Murgatroyd appeared to her in times of great distress or elation, almost like a protective mechanism against manic psychosis, like a little a guardian yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Against manic, manic psychosis, that's interesting. Yeah. Which is weird because you would think that hallucinating a leprechaun with no shadow named Murgatroyd is kind of psychotic. Definitely. But then again, if it could be also the thing that keeps her sane for now until she's able and ready to let it go. Or it could be the like it shows up when she's going crazy, but then she doesn't go full crazy. Yeah. And so it's really a manifestation of her madness, but... Right. It's, like, nice to her, too. Like, it's not... Yeah. A, yeah. Okay, so he's... It's just the pressure release valve. Right. So, so that's, like, one in- interpretation. And also, Fodor doesn't necessarily say, like, this thing isn't real. This is just why it it's appearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's another little green man who turned up on a farm in a Farmersville. 
<laughs> Farmersville, Texas. Oh, good. In May 1913. You know, it's hard to name things when it's all hot. But this little green man didn't get to ride around in taxis and comfort grieving women. No? Suffered a, a worse fate. So it's, it's Texas, 1913. Mm. You got three boys chopping cotton and they're alerted by the barking of dogs. They go to investigate. They find a little man about 18 inches oh, tall. He's dark, tiny. Dark green in color. Okay. He's not wearing any clothes, but his body looks like a rubber suit, including Ooh. a hat that looked like a, quote, Mexican hat. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> As the boys looked on, the dogs jumped on the little man and tore him to pieces. What the fuck? The boys saw that he had human looking internal organs and red blood. What in the fuck? Afterwards, the dogs avoided the spot where the remains lay rotting in the sun. The dogs seemed frightened. The next day, when the boys went back to the place, there was nothing to be found, not even a blood stain. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Right? They just ripped that dude apart. Yeah. But he's fine. He put himself back together. He went away. <laughs> She's like, what the fuck? Also, that sounds awfully alien. Like yeah. this tiny little thing in a rubber suit. Like. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I always think it's like. I guess it's also that that idea of uh, the little green man. It it predates, you know, oh, the little oh, green man yeah. associations oh, with, yeah, with aliens. I mean, in, you know, uh, there's, there's Mescalero, which I first heard about in Robert Anton Wilson's Cosmic Trigger. It talks about like the, you know, it's named Mescalero because it's like the spirit of the uh, peyote. Yeah. Right. And it's like this fairy looking motherfucker, this green dude who's always like dancing in a field. Mm-hmm. And I think like Wilson like saw him one time after he'd already been like thinking about this thing like a lot because apparently it shows up to like a lot of people. Yeah. And he compared it with like other stories of like similar things and, and shit is this almost like a projection from the, and this is like a totally different thing than what we talked about, but it's just similar, but like, it was like a projection from the collective consciousness of the, the plants. plants. Yeah. 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 Which is interesting. It is. It's a, that's a cool, cool thing to think about. Cause like we'd have to interpret it somehow. Yeah. Right. So speaking of little green men. Yes. I have another, another case. Yeah. In uh, November, 1983. In Villa Montoro, an old house in La Plata City, hmm. in Argentina, green dwarves were seen, about 20 inches tall. They had big heads, <laughs> wrinkled human-like skin, and green clothing. Green skin and green clothing. Okay. Footprints were found and claw marks on a tree trunk. The dwarves were said to live in tunnels under the house and garden and to come out of a well in the yard. When huh. someone tried to take a photograph of a dwarf, only dark shapes appeared on the film. There huh. was a boy who fell into the mud while fleeing from a group of them who said that they shouted and whined at him and one threw a brick at him. <laughs> so just like, a, you know, little, little green men being weird. It sounds like the Kentucky goblins and shit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Huh. People really are just seeing goblins still. They are throughout time. Yeah. What? <laughs> I want to see one. You know, it makes I want to see anything. Like, Texas is close to Mexico, so it makes sense that maybe their goblin would have a, quote, Mexican hat. Well, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Because, like, they're trying to reflect the cultures they see. Right. And, like, that, you know, that's a cultural border. Mm-hmm. It's a place where cultures mesh together. Right. Yeah. To, let's talk about the Ten of Swords. Yeah. Well, I think that th maybe we should save our interpretation of that. For, but we're gonna release this one second. I know, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, it'll. Yeah, you're right. So it'll make sense with the first one. Yeah. Yeah. 
So the the Ten of Swords, when you when I think about the nature of these encounters, yeah, I feel like how they show up to people depends on that person's perception. Like they're all kind of part of the same thing, but how they appear depends on the person or a group of people. It could also have to do, I believe, with the location. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think like the, it, the 10 of swords, we should describe it is, um, in the Rider Waite Smith deck, it depicts a person laying on a beach at night with 10 swords, swords stuck in their fucking back. Yeah. They did. Yeah. They're dead and, as fuck. Yeah. In the Thoth deck, uh, it's the card's name is ruin. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the death card. Right. Right. Like it's the, like the, the, the card death doesn't mean physical death. Ten, that's 10 of swords job. Right. But what that means, you know, it doesn't mean you pull that card. It means someone's going to die. Or you're going to die. It's the moment of grief realization that someone's fucking dead and everything has changed. Mm-hmm. Everything changes right then. Like you, and it's, that's, it's, it's the second wave of shock that comes with just the, you know, the shock of grief or whatever. Yeah. And shit. And there's other things besides physical death that also cause that, that right. feeling of everything's different now. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I like being in fairyland. Yes. Everything's different now. Yeah. And I cut you off. I just, I just right. want to uh, give a explanation of what that card means. No, good. Yeah, good. I'm glad you did. And it does seem like with these individual people, like they didn't, like the first few stories we heard, they didn't uh, believe in the supernatural or anything. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden shit different. Yeah. Shit weird. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's just like, you're not human. That that moment right. of realization, you know? Um, and you see that, like, throughout throughout a lot of shit. Like, when people... Encountering the paranormal is a shocking moment. Yeah. And generally, people's lives change. Mm-hmm. It's never the same after that, because it can't be, you know? Right. Kind of like the Ten of Swords. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It, your life is different after that. Yeah moment like it is never going back to the way it was mm-hmm. and a lot of times people lose their fucking minds afterwards yeah that is just a thing that happens right like it's like holding on to a fucking it's like sticking a fork in a in a in a power outlet mm-hmm. get fried yeah lose your fucking shit that's why i think like if these things are if these stories are real and people do experience weird stuff and they do they do they do then I think like a, a good method of psychic protection against not going completely fucking crazy is that we're able to share our weird stories with each other and not be treated like we're completely crazy. You got you to gotta be careful who you're sharing them with. That's true. Yeah. Because a surefire way to help someone go crazy is to not believe them or call them crazy for even suggesting or accusing them of being a liar. Right. Yeah. You know? Right. It's also like the time of stories reminds me of how our mythologies change. To interpret things, which is not a revolutionary thing to say. It's not like, yeah, like, you know, if you take like the whole fairyland hypothesis of UFOs and all that shit and of, of the paranormal, it's just like there's been different myths, different names by which we've called the thing. Yeah. You know, although like, you know, the fairy shit, the face shit is that there are these other people. Mm-hmm. There are these other beings do live in this sideways world. Right. You know, it's not um, it's not the whole like there's one phenomenon and we just interpret it differently. Mm-hmm. Like Fey lore is pretty, pretty much like these are these other beings, mm-hmm. you know, in the gen too, which are a very close analog. Yes. To and that is like, you know, strictly these things are real. They are invisible. Mm-hmm. But like. They can become visible. Yeah. And also Muhammad fucking allegedly uh, 
converted a whole bunch of jinn to Islam. Like that's in the, that's in Islamic lore. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't all of them. The rest yeah. of them weren't happy, you know? Right. <laughs> Probably not. I don't know. But like, it, but it's a, that's a very interesting story of like directly interacting with this other group of things that operates on different rules, but interacting with them and having an effect on them versus just them having an effect on you. That kind of to me is a, that's sort of a hallmark of Fae stories. Yeah. Is that I think does separate them from a lot of like stories of like the greys and shit is that like you can interact with them. You can fuck with them. Right. You know, you can protect yourself from them. You can wear some iron. You can do all this shit, right? Mm-hmm. If you are really good at legalese, you can cut deals with them. Yeah. You know, you do have an effect on their world just as much as they have an effect on you. They are at the same level as humans, just in a different place. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they're super cool. Yeah. Alrighty, guys. Well, we would really appreciate it if you would give us a rating and review. Don't make me get on my knees and beg, please. I will. I've done it before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Best way to help the show. Leave us a rating, review, comment. Interact with us. You can find us on Twitter. Uh, Instagram. Yeah. We do. We got a Facebook, too. Yeah, but like I forget Facebook. about it. Yeah. It just, it just needs to be there. It's the devil. Fuck Facebook. Yeah. Fuck that shit. There's yeah. no meaningful. Even though Instagram's also owned by it. but Yeah, but like. We do, we, you know, we post pictures on, on Instagram. We do our shit talking on Twitter. That's, we tell a lot of jokes, you know, just follow us on yeah, there. That's where I get goofy is on Twitter. It is. You're, yeah. I'm out you're, of control. You're, you're out of control. It's I'm, hilarious. <laughs> um, yeah. And hope you guys are doing well out there. For real. Things are, things, yeah, things be, are strange. Be kind to each other. Be kind to each other. Give yourself a hug. You deserve it. Yeah. And like, drink some water. Get some rest. That too. Yeah. You'll be all right. Take care. Take care. We love you. Bye. Bye. Are we recording? Oh, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Hello, and welcome to the Nonsense Bazaar. We're your hosts. I'm Willow Truman. And I'm Sequoia Kennedy. And we're going to have a good time today. <laughs> I'm scared. Yeah. Yeah, you should be. <laughs> All right. Uh, because I wanted to op- open up this Faye encounter episode. <laughs> With a shit post that I found on 4chan while looking for goblin encounters. Okay. And this is exactly how I read it in my mind, in, in this specific voice. I can't do it without the voice. Do it. <clears throat> I'm fucking terrified, lads. <laughs> the Schmegma goblin has finally escaped, just as I knew it would. I can hear it skittering around in my walls. With its filthy spoon-like fingers. Oh my god. I knew it would eventually get out of its containment area. I fucking suspected the walls were too weak to control it. (laughs) This shit has happened before. And the last fucking time this happened, I woke up at like 12am with this shitting thing crouching on my bed, desperately (laughs) scrabbling at my underwear, (laughs) digging for its filthy diet of cock cheese. Oh my god, what are you... (laughs) We're like 20 seconds into the episode. I, I really need your help, lads. Last time it took me weeks and sleep was at a premium because of its nighttime foraging. Lads, please help. I value my smegma and my sanity. Uh, I don't. Are you sure about that? Yeah. Wow. So beware of the smegma goblin. That is. Oh. Just beware. <laughs>